This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Emily Esterson from Coverside Magazine, the magazine of mounted fox hunting. And I'm Tara Tibbetts from Fort Worth, Texas. And you're listening to the monthly fox hunting episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for already Thursday, October 17th, 2019, episode 2292. This episode is brought to you by Coverside Magazine. Good morning, horse world. This is the special episode about fox hunting, and we come to you the third Thursday of every month. So write it in your planner, put it on your Google Calendar or your Outlook Calendar, and remember to come and join us. And coming up on today's episode, Jean Derrick is going to talk about hound trials. And our second guest, Sarah Katz, talks about taking her thoroughbred to the thoroughbred makeover and winning the fox hunting division. And as usual, we're going to start the show with catching up with what Tara and Emily have been up to since we spoke last. Well, Tara, you've had big adventures. I have had big adventures. So the the theme of at the we call my husband and I have different last names and so we combine them and call ourselves the Derbits. And so the theme at the Derbis household lately has been <laughs> Tara leaves to go fox hunting periodically. So a couple weeks ago, a good friend of mine who hunts here with Brazos Valley, um we loaded up our horses and drove 11 hours north to Burwell, Nebraska, and we went hunting in Burwell, Nebraska for, we drove up Wednesday and we hunted Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday for their fall invitational, which the weekend was a hound trial, which we'll talk to Jean Derek later about the specifics of the hound trial. So I'm not going to belabor that, but we informally hunted with North Hills and then everyone who was there on Thursday, we did a beach ride. Yes, I did a beach ride in Nebraska on <laughs> Friday. And then the hound trial Saturday and Sunday were formal. So I said it when I went to Montana and I'll say it again. Like there's literally no more fun of a horse person gathering than a fox hunt. I like people were there from Nebraska, Georgia, Texas, Kansas. I'm trying to think. Uh, did I say Florida? I said Florida. All over the place. I think there maybe was some a couple of folks from Virginia. There's Carol, the Carolinas, a, a Green Creek um, hunt member. Just a wonderful time getting to know people. And with the hound trials, and again, Gene will talk about this later, but it's fascinating because you've got hounds from all different hunts hunting together and different people riding as judges, which was really interesting to, you know, you had, there was large fields. I want to say there were 60 or 70 people in the field on Saturday and the wind was blowing like crazy, but the hounds hunted their little heinies off and they got on scent at least four or five times every day. And they had fantastic runs. I've never galloped as fast as we galloped on Sunday. It just, it, it was tremendous and lovely and amazing. I know it's, it's, uh, it's really something if you are a fox hunter, or even if you're not a fox hunter and you just want to enjoy the people and the horse people and the sport, 
it's just fun to go to these gatherings and people really enjoy the sport and everybody's, everybody's friend, like no Fox hunter ever met a stranger. That is absolutely true. And I went to Fitzpatrick, Alabama last year, and we'll talk about that later with Gene too, for the grand championships. And, um, there were people, I mean, there were, you know, what, 150 people in the field and, you know, another 30 people car following. And it was just a really, really good time. It was just nonstop talking horses and hounds, which is of course, super fun, super fun. Well, and another thing too, that, that I never cease to be um, delighted by, I think is this, how I would describe it is that, you know, there's the, the Burwell weekend, there was a first flight, a second flight, and then a hilltopper. So first flight was, you know, galloping and keeping up with the huntsman and the hounds. And then second flight was galloping, but no jumping. And then the hilltoppers were kind of walk, trot, canter a little bit, but they would stay behind truly hilltopping in the territory where we were. It was very hilly. And if people had horse trouble or a tack problem or any issues came up, it was everyone was so accommodating and helpful and you know, nobody got left behind. And if anyone got unseated and they felt they came off, people would wait with them. It just such, you know, you go to the horse show world and, and I don't, you know, begrudge the horse show world. I show hunters and have a wonderful time, but that element of competitiveness is there and people are very loyal to their barn when they're at a horse show. Whereas at a Fox hunt, people from different hunts, they come over to your trailer and they offer you a stirrup cup and they want to meet you and talk about dogs and talk about horses. And I, I lost count of all the compliments I got on how well Simon did. And it just, I'm addicted. It's yeah. true. It's fun. It's really fun. It's really fun to hit the road. And so what have you we, been up to? Well, we have started autumn hunting as we say, and, um, we have, been taking out our new draftees who are the Saluki crosses that listeners might have heard me talking about. And yes, I'm dying to know how it's going. Oh, they are so fast. They streak away. I mean, streak away. And so, you know, we're we're doing these very uh, sort of controlled exercises right now where we cast the hounds and we call them in and we cast them and we call them in. And you know, they're sight hounds. So if something moves, they're on it. And so we're, um, we're trying to work that out and figure it out because, um, you know, they got on hair last, the, one of our little guys, Dart, he got on hair, she got on hair and she was so quick. Um, and I was whipping in and I had a young woman with us who is learning to whip in. So she was shadowing me for the day and she has a little Mustang um, that she hunts and she took off after that hound and we were both full out gallop, like afterburners. And the amazing thing was that we, you know, the hound heard the horn we called and, and cracked our whips and the hound turned and came back. And that was great because that proved to us that first of all, we don't have to go after her and that she does know um, when she's being called back and when she is not hunting the right game. So that was, that was really, that was very instructional for us. And um, also got a really good big gallop out of it, which was super fun, of course. So. Well, I think um, it's, it, it's hard to explain like until you actually go out on a hunt. Like there's not, and, and I will say I got into fox hunting cause I like the horse riding part of it. 
But watching the hounds work, and I can't imagine seeing the Saluki cross doing that, and watching them work and listen to their training is just, it's breathtaking. It really yeah. is. So the interesting thing about this was that the, the Saluki crosses stayed behind the pack, right? And so they were behind all the other hounds, the regular foxhounds who were hunting. And, you know, their noses were down, their sterns were up, which is, you know, their tails were up. They were, they were clearly, and it was, it was a pretty wet day for us. We don't get a lot of moisture, but it had rained the day before. So it was pretty wet and there was a lot of scent. And so the hounds were really working. Our foxhounds were really working. Their noses were down. You know, they were giving occasional voice like, oh, there may be scent over here. And the Salukis were behind them. And then when they caught sight of the quarry, they picked up their heads and the Salukis took the front and the foxhounds followed. So that was sort of the purpose of putting some sighthound blood in our pack. And that seems to actually be working. So we'll just have to follow them through the year and see how they do. You know, this is only the second time they've been out. And the first time we didn't do very much at all. We just, it was really hot. And so we just kind of cast them and brought them back, cast them, brought them back. So, um, so yeah, so it's going to be a really interesting season. We're kind of looking forward to it. Well, I feel like y'all have put a lot of time into, you know, getting to know the hounds and taking them out and walking them out and, you know, making, you know, I think it, it has to help that they're familiar with your whips and, and your staff members. And, um, I, I'm really, I, I know we have a couple people here in Fort Worth that are excited about, and we're going to try to come out to cause a drone sometime this season. Um, well, you, we would be, of course, so excited to welcome you because we're Fox hunters. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which you mentioned autumn hunting, and I think that's a, a pretty delightful segue into the term of the month that I wanted to use that um, is rat catcher. And rat catcher is the informal dress known as rat catcher is usually worn during autumn hunting prior to opening meat. Rat catcher may also be worn for informal meats during the regular season and Emily, I tried to do a little bit of research and I didn't really find anything. Do you know where the actual word rat catcher comes from? Do you have any idea? Um, I, yes, I do. Uh, I don't have to think about it for a minute, but um, I think it has to do actually, no, I don't know where it comes from off the top of my head. I have to look it up, but, um, but it is a great, um, it's a great term for, you know, for hunting because when, you get when you get to wear a rat catcher, you get to wear all these beautiful tweeds and lovely different color ties and um and people really like do the whole fashionista fox hunting thing with with rat catcher season. Um and we're always excited because you know, a lot of times it's too warm to wear a tweed jacket here in October, but, but every now and again, like this past Saturday, it wasn't too warm. It was actually pretty cold. And so I was so excited to put on my tweed. <laughs> well, and I will say that that was definitely one of the elements of attractiveness to going to Burwell for the hunting was that the Thursday hunt was rat catcher. And, in, and we're like you here in Texas that if we actually have uh, an autumn hunting hunt that it's cool enough to wear tweed, we are ecstatic. Um, and so if, if, you know, the photographs that you see from the Burwell trip and, and I can post some of the, some of my photos from it on there, but beautiful tweeds and different colored breeches and lovely Tattersall stock ties and a lot of brown helmets and brown boots, which 
formal gear is pretty much a black coat, a white shirt with a white stock tie, uh, tan breeches and black dress boots. So it, it is a little bit fun to get to show some more fashion with the yeah. rat catcher. I actually got, um, I actually got two new stock ties this time. Um, rat catcher ties. One is kind of red with black flowers on it. And one is green with red uh, or with, uh, with yellow flowers. And both of them match my tweed, which has like strands in it. And it's really fun to, to dress. That up. sounds beautiful. Yeah. I'm really happy with them. <laughs> so speaking of that, we have a great issue coming up for Coverside magazine. Um, it's the 25th anniversary. We also have a great story about the a woman named Judith Jeffress who has been hunting for 70 seasons, seven zero. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So that's incredible. And she still leads second field, I believe. Um, is she in the U S she is, she's in the U S she's um, with Mr. Stewart's Cheshire Foxhounds. Um, so in Pennsylvania. So we're really excited to have that story coming up. Um, and we have a Q&A with a new huntsman, um, Emily Melton, who will be taking over the horn at um, uh, Newmarket Middletown Valley, which is also in Maryland. So, well, What an appropriate name for fox hunting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Emily Melton. So Excellent. So I'm excited today we get to chat with Jean Derrick, who I had the pleasure of meeting when I um, was able to attend the Burwell Fall Invitational. And so I, so I don't make any major mistakes, Jean. I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell us where you're from, who you hunt with, and then we'll, we'll chat about Burwell. Okay. Um, I'm Jean Derrick. I'm 67 years old. I love fox hunting more every day. I'm the first flight field master, have been for about 10 years at the Bell Mead Hunt in Thompson, Georgia. And I'm a, a regular life when I have to support my habit is uh, a lawyer. I'm a AV, which means highest ethical and highest skill rating lawyer, has been practicing for 42 years in state court litigation in South Carolina. So, oh, I did not know that. Um, yeah. So um, it's just like I'm still practicing. I'm, you know, I feel like a kid. Hunting <laughs> and practicing law is a, a lot of fun. So <laughs> let me ask you, Tara, what did you think about Burl? Had you been to a performance trial before? That was my first uh, hound trial, and I will say from my standpoint, which I rode second flight the first day, and I rode first flight the second day, it was delightful. I was, you know, and, and, and we're going to ask you more to explain about, about hound trials and how they work, but I will just say from my perspective, I know that it was hounds from five different packs hunting together, and it was so fascinating to watch them come together and, and hunt as a pack. So to get started then could tell us what is a hound trial? One. A hound trial is where as, as one of our local landowners said, only y'all would be crazy enough to put numbers on the sides of a per perfectly good hound. But uh, it's really a, a night hunter 
event that the fox hunters have adopted. And Ben Hardaway is the, the father of Foxhound Performance Trial. He got it going. He, he put the, on the very first one in 1996 down in Fitzpatrick, Alabama, and I was there. And what it is is you invite hunts, probably five to eight hunts, and they'll, they'll bring a team of usually uh, five to eight hounds per hunt. So you end up with about 20 couple in a pack. And each hunt is assigned a, a number for each of their hounds. The numbers are put died on both sides of the hound, and the hounds are hunted for two days uh, under uh, in a in a for, for three hour period, uh, and judged from mounted judge judged by mounted judges uh, in the field um, during those two days over that three hour period. And then at the end of each day and at the end of both days, the trial, the, the total of two days of the trial, uh, we have uh, the top 10 hounds assigned with points, and we have uh, the packs rated too. And the hounds are judged in the categories of hunting, trailing, full cry, and then marking when they engage a quarry. Um, so the, uh, that's the hound trial. Now, um, the bigger question might be, why a hound trial? Um, first of all, it's just fun. It's just it's a game. Uh, but secondly, it is a a really it's, it's the best way that we can we humans. You just see so little of what the remarkable things our animals do in the field, these hounds, these horses, um, can judge the quality of the hunting ability of of the animal. And, the, you know, the judges do their best. They get around. They, they look. Um, and, and, what, and, and they are telling us... Um, what hound is hunting? What hound, when the scent is locked, pack loses a scent, what hound catches it up? And the the fun thing to me is, um, I'm, a, I'm a judge sometimes, but most of the time I'm just a mounted spectator, and I'm the secretary for the event for scoring, but I get out there and I just watch. And the fun thing for me is, as a fox hunter, I get to really improve my skills of realizing what I'm watching when I see a pack hunting. That's what a hound trial is. So, Gene, uh, this is Emily, and I I went to Fitzpatrick for the um, championship last year, and it was you know it was a great deal of fun to see all those hounds, you know, working together when they hadn't actually hunted together other than during the performance trials. And um, so, is the was the Burwell event part of the same kind of qualifying meets that they'll be having, and is that going to happen again this year where they have a bunch of meets, and then there'll be a championship somewhere? Yes. Good question. Good question. It's, 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 it's going to be every three years that we have a, a national championship event. But the MFHA is supporting this 
the, the performance trial program that, that my, the master in my hunt at Bellmead, F. Wilson, is pioneering. And, and, and um, he did it during the centennial 12 years ago. He did it last year uh, as part of the Hart Ford renewal of, this, of the centennial. And we're going to continue uh, sponsoring hound trials across America. And every three years, we're going to have a grand championship. The top 10 hounds from each MFHA authorized or sanctioned hound performance trial will be qualified to enter the championship. So, so uh, this, this Burwell was, was one qualifying event, but there'll be others. Yeah. So, um, so if people want to participate, how do they, how do they find them? How do they find the hunts that are, that are hosting these? Cause I think, you know, fox hunting is a, uh, is a non-competitive sport, but this is, but this is kind of a, a fun game. And I, I just was super, I had a great time in Fitzpatrick, you know, it was a big get together and it was a, a great, great chance to ride in new country and meet all kinds it's of new, big, new hunt people. Party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Oh, the MFHA website. Go to the homepage at the at the top far right hand um, letterhead column. Hit events. It'll have performance trials. It'll have, it, it, and all, underneath that is upcoming events. And th- those are the MFHA sanctioned performance trials. And you can. Um, find out about the event, who and where and when, and there's a contact us page, and you get in, in uh, contact with the hunt, and I'm sure they'll, fox hunters are fabulous hosts. They, they, yeah, I never met a fox hunter I didn't like. Uh, you, you, you call them, you can find out lodging for people, stable for horses. It, it, it makes it easy. So, um, I just wanted to ask one quick follow-up. I know in Fitzpatrick, when I was there, um, I actually didn't bring a horse because I live in New Mexico and it was just a little too hard to haul to Georgia. And, um, yeah, so we didn't, um, so I didn't bring a horse, but there were plenty of four wheelers. So I think it's important to, um, to let listeners know that even if you don't bring a horse, it's still fun and you could still either car follow or, or, you know, grab a ride in a, in a UTV or, or something like that. Cause I think the ones that I've been to performance trials, there's always somebody there who's willing to take you around. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the local lamb owners and some of the social members of the hunt, they are there. Yes. There's always a contingent that of car followers are, are, are out in the field. ATV, well, I, yes. Yeah. Cause I, we had a small contingent at Burwell from Brazos Valley here in Fort Worth. Two of us were crazy enough to drive the 11 and a half hours with our horses, but a, another couple folks um, worked it out in advance and they leased or rented horses for the, the time that they were there. So I think if you go online and find a hound trial and you really want to participate, you can get in touch with the masters or whomever's putting on that hound trial and perhaps get in touch with someone to, to lease horses, which I will say our, our hunt country and, and our hunt, um, I think you would call it ambiance is definitely different from Burwell. So it was kind of nice to have 
uh, you know, our riders to have horses that were a little bit more familiar with that hunting style in that territory. But so kind of that's an interesting comment. How how is the territory different? So in Texas, where our our territory is is very rocky, and a lot of our cover is you can't really get up on the hill to see down and look into the cover like you could in Burwell. So, you know, if you're watching the hounds work, you tend to be pretty close to the hounds. And if you're pretty, if you're very far back in the field, you really can't see much until you get to an open spot that doesn't happen as often. And so our, and our 50 kinds of sagebrush. Yeah. Sagebrush and a lot, a lot of heavy cedar. We have a lot of heavy cedar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and kind of going back mm-hmm. to the logistics of the hound trial, one thing that I thought was interesting, and I'm I'm curious to hear, especially since this sounds like it might be a definitively American thing, whereas this maybe doesn't happen in England or in Europe, but the huntsman who hunted the hounds in Burwell was not the huntsman for any of the participating hunts. That is correct. That that is that is one of the rules that we have is. You have a, a, a independent huntsman, not a huntsman from any of the inner hunts. However, however, most of the judges are nominated representatives of the inner hunts, uh, and then uh, we also usually add two or three independent judges. That is a, a change that Ep pioneered um, last year during the. Her- her- for performance trial, and that has really worked very, very well. The good sportsmanship and the and the uh, honesty and 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 goodwill of of all the nominated members of the hunts, and usually it's the huntsman of the hunt that judges it or one of the masters, um, has worked out very well. They 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 are real real good about um, judging, and what that does, it, you know. A performance trial looking at this event from the standpoint of a hunt that might want to enter one is sort of like taking a test in school. And who wants to do that? That's not a pleasant experience. You get rated, you get scored, you get you might be embarrassed, uh, you might feel like you know frustrated. You didn't do as well as you thought. So, and, and sometimes it's the other way around, but sometimes not. So. Um, as part of the balanced approach to this activity, we are giving uh, a seat at the table, so to speak, of each inner hunt by saying, you tell us who you want to be your judge in this case, uh, one of the judges for the event. So we'll have, if, if six hunts come, We'll probably have eight or nine judges, and six of those will be the nominated members uh, of, of representatives of each of the inner fronts, and then two or three will be independent judges, um, just uh, other masters from non-inner fronts. Or, um, um, uh, for example, you were you're talking about um, the Grand National, Tim Easby um, was one of the judges for the. Grand National, actually, um, Mason Lampton, the organizer, had independent judges in toto for that Grand National. But Tim's comment, um, I I thought it was precious, um, after the first day, 
of hunting, he said, what am I doing sitting behind a desk when I could be out doing writing and doing this? Yeah. And I feel like that every day. <laughs> yeah. And, and this guy, he, he's, a, he's a Dennis Foster for Britain. He's the executive director for the British Masters of Fight Sounds Association. And actually, at the moment, um, I was talking to Epp earlier today, uh, Tim and, and his wife and, and uh, Charmaine Green, who's a legendary female master in, in England and a legendary hound breeder, are at this moment visiting Mason. Yeah, and uh, at Midland. Oh, wonderful! So yeah. they're back here, but they had a great time at the at the Grand Nationals last October. Yeah, I spent quite a bit of time with Tim and and uh, and Hebe, Tim and Hebe Easby, um, who were from England, and they're there when I was there in Fitzpatrick. They're a great deal of fun, um, and you know, of course, they really know fox hunting. And I actually got a chance to um, stay with them and hunt with them. Um, with their hunt uh, a couple of years ago and west of your which is their home hunt and uh, it's up in wow. Yorkshire yeah it was a great uh-huh. it was it was lots of fun really really a great great experience so um so Jean tell us a bit about your hunt um Bell Mead and how we can Get in touch with you if we want to come visit Bellmead, which I know is a very welcoming hunt. Um, we've had Epp on the show. Uh, we had him on last year when we talked about opening hunts, and he talked about your grand party that you guys throw for opening hunt. Um, so give us a give us a rundown of how to get in touch with Bellmead. All right, Bellmead is the best show in town. We have the biggest opening meet of any hunt in the world. It's it's a big party. It's, it's not much of a hunt, but it's a hell of a day. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a drag hunt. It's, we start with a, a great, a wonderful breakfast. This uh, gravy and biscuits, bacon, eggs, grits, a few bloody berries, screwdrivers. And then move on to the Blessing of the Hound, which is in front of the Knox Cottage. That's probably about this up at noon. And that and Master Charlie Lewis is the, is the master of ceremonies for that. Um, we bless the hounds, and then by one o'clock we're away. We have a, a planned drag, and probably usually 150 riders in the field. Probably six to eight hundred people on top of that in wagons, um, uh, and they're, they're usually drawn. They're drawn by um, tractors and trucks, uh, tally ho wagons, and the people in the tally ho wagons are well armed with food and drink and refreshments <laughs> and, and and padded seats. Yeah, they, it's, you know, they're open wagons. Um, they caravan and follow um, the path of the plan drag so they can see the horses jumping. And <laughs> periodically, we have checks, and they stop, and the horses and riders come up and 
mingle with them and we'll get, you know, say I'm hungry and give me a, they'll give me a chicken leg or something. I'll <laughs> eat that and then throw the bone to a hound. Um, but it goes on for about six hours. So it's, it's oh a my. lot of fun. It's just a big outdoor celebration. Well, yeah. I will say that is really? absolutely on my bucket list. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Bill Mead is really seriously about hunting and uh, hopefully catching mostly coyotes. We are hard driving, fast running, you know, do what it takes kind of hunt. Lots mm. of fun. Yeah. Well, Gene, we I'll be there for your hunt week in February. Good, good, good. And the the charm of El Mido is, even though it's known for its hard riding drive, we have four different flights. First flight, coyote speed jumping, that's what I lead. Second flight, fox speed. Windsor Exum leads that. She's a, a third generation member of the family that found El Mido. 54 years ago. Uh, we have third flight, Hilltopper, and but they gallop along. And then fourth flight is Walk Trot. And wherever you want to ride, that is the right place for you. Be happy. You don't have to prove anything by going first flight or second flight. If you want to ride third, that's perfect. That's, that's Excellent. the charm of the hunt. And we will put links to Bellmead, I know, has, a, I believe, a public Facebook page and a website. So we'll put all those links in the show notes. But, Gene, it was wonderful having you Thank on you. the podcast. And we appreciate your time. Okay. Well, a uh, little birdie told, is telling me that you went down the rabbit hole of what does rat catcher really mean, pun intended. So what have you discovered? Okay. So here's what Wikipedia says. Um, it is possible that the term was derived from the attire which the rat catcher or terrier man wore. He was probably a crofter and followed the hunt over his land. When a fox went to ground, the terrier man would set his terrier into the cover to kill the fox. Da, da, da. The usage of the word is demonstrated in the story, The Man and the Rat Catcher, in which one of the characters asks, Who was the fellow in the rat catcher? I passed riding that awful old quad of yours. I think that's about as plausible an explanation as any, and it's in a story, so it's got to be the real deal. I just have a vision of the guy in his rat catcher suit. And it looks like we've got our next guest on the line. Let's go for it. So welcome, Sarah, to our fox hunting podcast. And I wanted to chat with you about your uh, retired racehorse project thoroughbred makeover recent win. I know you've just uh, you've just returned from that event, and so tell us a little bit about your hunting experience, and then we'll talk about the RRP makeover. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I grew up Elkridge Harford Hunt Pony Club, so I started hunting with them. I'm from Moncton, Maryland, so there's another hunt, Green Spring, um, as well as the Mount Carmel Hounds that I've gone out with. So I grew up primarily hunting there. Um, I started professionally fox hunting and restarting horses uh, probably about 10 years ago. 
So I've had the opportunity to hunt in Virginia, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, uh, mainly Maryland as well. So I've had a very, very broad, um, or I should say, well, well-educated um, fox hunting experience throughout the past 10 years. So were you, were you whipping in or were you just, um, no, working? I specifically, um, I just hunt, I just hunt horses and go out and have fun. I do the steeplechasers. So they use a lot of hunting to get them fit for running over timber. Mm. Um, so, and then I also, uh, train and sell horses. Some people just send me fox hunters for a little tune up. So I get to hunt basically for fun, but it's my job. So that's pretty cool. So you basically, you, you train horses to be fox hunters as part of, well, I train, yeah, I do a variety. I do the show horses, the race horses, but fox hunting is a big part of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, um, so tell us about the, was this your first time at the makeover? So no, actually last year I took another ex people chaser that I over jumps, uh, and we were fourth in the field hunter division. So I knew a bit about what to expect coming into it this year. I was definitely more prepared and I, um, had a very, very good horse. Yeah. So, um, so tell us about what is expected of, uh, competitors in the makeover field hunter division. So it's different from what it was last year. Last year, the three phases, which consists of an under saddle, an individual test, and a mock hunt, were all in one day. This year, it was two days. So you had an under saddle class and your individual test on the first day. And then the following day, it was the mock hunt. So the final stage, if you make it to the top five, is the finale, which is held in an indoor show arena where we have to jump well, this year we jumped nine fences. Uh, you trot fences. We do an open gallop to a you take a rider off of a jump. Uh, so it's a pretty, um, pretty, you know, you have to really prepare these horses to do this test. It's unlike any other division because there's so many different phases to it. Uh, so you have to have a horse that will hunt, pack quietly out in a field, go out in a field and jump by itself, and then come into a, a show arena facility and jump around a course there. So it's, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. It sounds pretty rigorous actually. So tell us about your yeah. horse. You said you had a great horse. We want to hear all about it. <laughs> the dip, diplomat is a grade one winner over hurdles. He is 10 years old and ran since he was two. So he started running over jumps as a three-year-old. Uh, he's a kitten's joy bred in Kentucky, but was actually shipped to Ireland to run for several years over and then he was bought back by an American trainer who raced him for some, for another couple of years before he was claimed by his current connections that I got him from. So he's traveled abroad. He's won on the fly. He's run one over fences. I actually show him too. And he's won in the hunter ring. So he's just an amazing little horse. He tries so hard and he's so sweet. So um, he's, like, he's, one, he's definitely one of a kind. He's definitely the war horse. Um, he <laughs> yeah. sounds like a war horse, as they say. <laughs> yeah, he, he made 50000 in his career, so he definitely paid us all back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Sarah, this is Tara. Um, I, have a, I have a horse question for you. Um, sure. I feel like, so I, I'm kind of, I have my first off-the-track thoroughbred, and I, I would be lying if I said I'm not completely obsessed with them now. And... Yeah. <laughs> 
so I, I like to like, I look at bloodlines and I look at experience and you don't see a ton of steeplechase horses at the RRP. And I'm curious, do you feel like the steeplechase horses have an advantage in the field hunters or does that even make a difference? Um, no, honestly, I don't because the two other horses that competed this year in the makeover that were also grade one chasers, they did not compete in the field hunter division. Um, a lot of it has to do with the brain and the mindset and the style of jumping. Um, when I first got diplomat, he would not cross water. And that was a major part of the mock hunt and the individual tests at the RRP. So obviously the horses do know how to jump, but I could also say that I had to totally diplomat's jumping style because he's used to running through fences where I need him to rock back and canter over fences. So uh, it was just as challenging as some of the horses before where you're basically starting from scratch, which is sometimes not a bad thing. Um, so I, I think, like I said, a lot of it has to do with the horse's mind. Um, obviously, I had a very athletic horse. So yes, he's a good jumper. But um, I don't think, honestly, they do have an advantage I just happened to have um, connections into the steeplechase. Kind of wanted to show people how talented these horses actually are. That's why every year I try to bring them to the makeover instead of just one off off the flat track. And how long did you have him? Sorry, um, I got him. I got him in December of 2018. So, um, so how many steeplechasers? I mean, is that a common? It doesn't seem like it's that common that there are steeplechasers at the makeover. <laughs> no. So I think I think last year when I brought the the one, actually he was probably one of the first steeplechasers that did it, but I don't think anybody really recognized him because he was not a grade one winner. He actually was a failed steeplechaser, um, but is a wonderful fox hunter. So, and then um, I kind of spread the word into the steeplechase community and three amazing grade one winning horses just happened to retire the same year. So it just kind of worked out that way, but I don't know if that's going to be a repeat any. So uh, it was pretty cool this year having those Mr. Hot stuff and Dowell on and diplomat on the steeplechase room as they called it at the makeover. Um, Sarah. So like I said, I'm a little bit obsessed with the RRP and I know a lot of competitors will do, a couple of different events and because the field hunter is a little bit more involved, did you only do field hunter or did you do another event also? Uh, so I did also, I did the show hunters with Diplo. I think he actually, he finished 28th out of, I think there was almost 150 horses entered in that division. Um, but it was, if I'm taking a horse next year for the Fox hunters division, I would not do a second discipline just because like I said, it's two days. It's a lot of jumping, you're hunting and then you, want these horses to go in a ring and just canter around like kittens. Um, so Diplomat and I were a little tired. It was not our best performance in a ring. But um, I also had another horse that did the show jumpers. He was he was supposed to be a steeplechaser, but had an injury right before he was supposed to run. So I did the show jumpers, the show hunters, and the field hunters this year. That was cool. Oh, wow. You had a full plate. <laughs> I had a full plate. And the jumper finished, he was 25th out of close to a hundred. So we were still really happy with him. Awesome. So is, do you think you'll continue with the RRP? Like, is that kind I of a do. goal for you as a I, trainer or, and what kind of, tell us your thoughts on yes. that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I really, really love retraining thoroughbreds. That's basically what I've been doing since I was a kid. 
Uh, I think this event is a great way to showcase how versatile thoroughbreds really are. Being in the sale, the horse sales market, I can't tell you how many people don't consider thoroughbreds, and I think they can handle so much more than many crossbreeds can in the warm blood. They're just a different, they're just a different class of animal, and so um, yeah, <laughs> I just love the thoroughbreds, and I love showcasing them at the makeover. So then, how do you? How will you pick your next horse or horses? Since you're, <laughs> so you're a crazy that's, person, that's the problem. How am I going to get another diplomat? Yes. How am I going to get another diplomat? I don't know. Um, obviously, everybody knows that I do the makeover, and I have enough connections in the steeplechase world that once the season is over, I'll start shopping. Unless somebody approaches me with one sooner. Last year, some, the racing connections actually uh, approached me. Uh, about doing it with him that I had done it the previous year with another horse. If I can't find one, I won't do If I can't find the right horse, I won't do it, but hopefully the right one comes along. Are, are you keeping diplomat? Or do so, you own him? so yes, I do own him. If the right situation for him came along, that that would be ideal, but right now, obviously, he's given me a lifetime memory, so he'll always have a stall in the barn. So, how can people get in touch with you, Sarah, if they want to? Um, they want to maybe give you a horse for the next year, <laughs> next RRB. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, a Facebook, or I have uh, a website. It's my business is Chaser Dream Stable. Mm-hmm. So it's B H A S E R dreams so that kind of comes from you know the steeple chasing and my dream has always been to train horses so that's how that happens <laughs> you know there's a really interesting connection between steeple chasing and fox hunting and uh, we should probably we should probably talk about that sometime in the future on the show because you know the masters of foxhounds association used to be long time ago the clubs were managed by the steeple chase association so there's right. like yeah. There's a deep connection between steeplechasing and fox mm-hmm. hunting. And I think a lot of younger mm-hmm. fox hunters don't even really know that. So, you know. Yeah. 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 And um, a lot of the steeplechasers that do retire, that's one discipline that they're able to start a third career with. Uh, stated before, obviously, they love run and jump. So you just have to kind of re-educate their jumping style. Unless they've run over timber, which is a completely different style than hurdles. Uh, but I could go on and on about <laughs> yeah, my mm-hmm. huntsman hunts on a. I think he was a timber horse, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the timber the timber horses are the best. Uh, I've ridden over timber myself, and I like those horses are just a different different athleticism to many. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. It's been fun talking to you about RRP and diplomat and your dream job of you know, training horses for the hunt field. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great talking about it. You can find Coverside online at www.ecoveredside.net or you can read the digital edition at issuu.com slash ecoveredside. Yay, digital edition. Yay. Tara can be found at Instagram. Search for Tara at TN Tibbets. You can find you can find links to today's guests and the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Horses in the Morning. 
You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Thank you so much to our sponsor, eCoverside and the MFHA. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>